Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Tuesday edition of the show on a rainy Tuesday here in St. Louis. Danny Mac show. I'm Dan McLaughlin. That is BK Brandon Kylie. Tanner is with us as well. Tanner Hendrickson, affectionately known as T-Bone. As we welcome you into this rainy Tuesday and hopefully the rain stays away. It's dark outside too and clears up and we'll have baseball tonight. And I would anticipate we'll get it in. It's the Pirates in town. It starts a homestand. So two at the Pirates off day. And then I was uh, just talking about a BK on the crossover. First time we see the Cubs since 2019 at Bush Stadium. One of the oddities of last year. Good morning to you. Good morning to you as well. I know it's going to be a good day because I sat in my car today and immediately spilled some coffee on my legs. So what more could you ask for? (laughs) I actually smell it. Do I you? can smell well, it all over the place. I think that's because I have an, a coffee here. I think it's because it's on your leg. That could be either. Because you come in with that coffee and I don't smell it every other day. Touche. That's, oh, right. that's a really good point. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. I, I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. Hey, man, it, it's been it's already been an eventful day. But I'm excited to spend the next hour with you, Danny Mac. Uh, we'll, we'll talk baseball this hour because I know you're going to be loaded up with Alex oh, yeah. with hockey. I will we got to get him it. out of the dumps because it was rough last night. It was rough. Uh, Bennington was awesome, I thought, Great. though, last night. And if he plays like that, he gives you a chance. Couldn't steal it. But the Avalanche are awfully skilled, awfully fast, and awfully good. And we saw that on display last night. That yeah. was it. That's all I saw. Yeah, we saw a team that is the President's Trophy winning team for a reason. And they showed you all of that skill last night. And hopefully the Blues... Maybe at some point get back David Perron. That helps with your chemistry on that top line. Uh, they, they looked good for portions of the game. And then there was like the last 15 minutes of the yeah. first period and the entirety of the third period. So you'll talk about that yeah. with Alex. I'm going to leave that there. Uh, I'm excited that baseball is back uh, with more fans in the stands. This is one of the things I wanted to get into today. We we're just talking about it on the crossover. As we do know, the Cubs and the Cardinals, they made the announcement. It was about this time last week. CDC came out. There was re- restrictions that were being lifted and whatnot. And then the Cardinals said, okay. We're going to double what the limit is. So that takes you around, I would guess, 28, 29 to 30,000 people um, coming to the ballpark, hopefully this weekend. And then there was another announcement and they said, oh, well, maybe we'll open up some more tickets for the Pirate Series. So I'm really curious what it's going to look like tonight. If fans are, are they hesitant at all? Are they going to come out? What's it going to look like? My anticipation would be this, is that as we eventually go along here um, and it's, one week after another week and another week and another week and and you're starting to see in just in general in society people feeling more comfortable about going out maybe you haven't been out in over a year a lot of i know a lot of people that haven't um that then that appetite to come back to the ballpark or go to a concert or whatever it is that you enjoy you're saying hey let's go and there's going to be some people right off the hopper or saying I'm in. I got my tickets for Friday. Let's go. I can't wait to go back to the ballpark. So I'm interested in watching that tonight. So I can only speak for myself, right? Um, And so yesterday I went over to the dentist right over here off of Olive. And beforehand I had to stop over at Walgreens. And I walk in and I don't have a mask on because 
the mask mandate was taken off, whatever. I've been vaccinated. I've, I should be good to go. I walk in. I'm the only one in the store that doesn't have a mask on. I'm like, am I good here? Like, yeah. What, 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 do, what are the parameters within this business? And I like immediately second guess myself. And the reason I bring that up, Dan, is because it's going to take some time. It like is. It's just it feels weird in certain situations now compared to what it would have been if I did the exact same thing 20 months ago. I wouldn't have even thought twice about it. I also think and I don't know if you agree with this. And during the pandemic, I think people found other ways to entertain themselves as well. So maybe your buying habit of what you were as a football fan, basketball fan, baseball fan has changed. And now that it's back and opened up, now you're back into, oh, hey, Cubs are here. I, I want to go get my tickets. I forgot they're here. And normally I'm just watching on TV and we're doing our, our thing. So I do think buying habits have changed maybe a little bit over the last 14, 15 months, maybe a lot. And so you'll get back into that habit, too, of people saying, hey, do you want to go watch, you know, Albert Pujols come through town in September? Yeah, let's go get let's go get some tickets. So where before it was just like, can't get them. And so now you got to remember the restrictions have been loosened. There's going to be tickets available and you go down to the ballpark. And I, I do think we're going to see more and more of that as we open this thing up. Totally agree. The other thing that I would say is going to a ball game is an event, right? And so if you're going to go out and it's not incredibly expensive the way that certain events are, but it's not cheap to take a family of four down to the ballpark and spend a night out there, right? There's $20 seats for the Cubs series this weekend. So let's say for a family of four, it's 80 bucks to get into the door, right? And then you've got parking, 15, 20 bucks, and then you're going to have to get the hot dog, whatever. You spend 150 bucks on your family to go down to a ballpark. It's not terrible money, but it's money that you got to spend. And so if you're a family, maybe you're in a situation where you're like, hey, while it's 15,000 people down there, we're going to go ahead and hold off. But once it gets back open to 20, 30, 40, it feels bigger again. And maybe then you start becoming more willing to go out there. I think so, too. Uh, 636, I've had my tickets for Sunday for two weeks. It'll be my third game this year. And I've heard more and more people talking about going Sunday than the previous two games. Good example would be right there. So with this two-game series, they did open up more tickets. It was sold out, you know, per the restrictions of whatever it was. I don't what was it, 14? Yeah, I think it was like 14.5 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think those were sold out, and they opened up more. So we'll see how many people are at the ballpark. I'm really interested, too, how the team feeds off of that, how the crowd feeds off each other in moments that are usually left for cheering. Uh, this crowd really doesn't boo, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, times where you get excited as a fan. So I am interested in, in watching that. Uh, one of the things, by the way, we're going to visit with Zach Duke coming up. He's a former reliever in the major leagues. He pits for both uh, Pittsburgh and St. Louis. Really good guy. Was really good here in St. Louis, too. So looking forward to visiting with Zach Duke. Um, one of the things I want to talk about, I was flipping through. So I've got the the ticket for all the games. So I, I watch on television. Yeah. Not in person, but in television. So off day last night, and I'm flipping through. Kids didn't have anything going on, so I'm watching a lot of baseball. I saw a ton, man, in just a little minute, a little bit of time. In about an hour and a half time, BK, I saw Kevin Pillar get hit on the face with a 95, 96-mile-an-hour fastball. And I'm telling you what, that was scary. And for those that saw Bryce Harper, this was even, I thought, worse because he went straight down, blood was gushing in the batter's box. There's got to be something done with these relievers, man. Uh, these guys are all max effort, and I, I understand that that's how the game is played. I understand you're paid on strikeouts. I understand he wasn't trying to hit him. So understand what I'm saying, too. But you have to be able to control it. 
That cannot happen. That just cannot happen. So we're sacrificing location for velocity. And when you have velocity and you have max effort, you're going to sacrifice location, which means you get guys that are getting hit in the face. Scary moment last night. Really scary. I'm concerned of going forward. This is, I mean, look at all the guys that are getting hit. Look at all the walks. It tells you, not just with St. Louis, but across the board, location is being sacrificed for velocity. And that's not a good thing at all times. Sometimes it's okay to rear back and throw it, and here it is. You do that. But, man, let's pitch. Let's get back to pitching. And it's not going to happen until you're awarded for saying, hey, I had a one, two, three inning, and I got three ground outs. It didn't strike out Otani. I got him to ground out. Or I got Mike Trout to ground out. I mean, guys are rearing back and saying, here it is, because that's what they're paid on. I understand that. But, man, oh, man scary moment last night at Truist Park in Atlanta. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just because we were here and it was a star that got hit and so we were close to the situation so it feels like it's happening more often or if it is actually taking place more often, but whatever the case, it feels like it is happening more often and Dan, it's something that baseball has to I mean, you have Theo Epstein that's been thrust into the front office basically of Major League Baseball, right? He's looking into a lot of rule changes right now. The the Major League Baseball as a whole is looking into a lot of rule changes. This is also something they need to look into. How do we deal with this problem? Is it because we are incentivizing strikeouts? Is that why guys are lacking command? Because they're coming up and they're trying to blow it by everybody. And when you get to arbitration, that's what's rewarded. So monetarily, they're getting paid for those strikeouts. The advanced numbers, they reward strikeouts. They penalize guys that pitched contact and so i do wonder what's the end game here what is the logical end to what we're doing right now i don't think there's a great answer to that just yet i don't either i feel like we're we're kind of in the middle of the path and there's going to be a fork in the road eventually and i hope we take the right road it's very simple so your your shelf life as a major league player is not that long i mean the guys like albert Pujols are few and far between that are playing 20 years um, your shelf life is probably three to five years if you're a reliever. Maybe max. You know, I mean, it's 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 hard to stay in the big leagues. So what I'm trying to say is my shelf life to make a lot of money is three to five years. I'm going to do what's best for me. I'm going to try to make money. That means I'm max effort, man. Here it comes. But again, we're, we're sacrificing location for velocity. And that is problematic going forward. Uh, so, like I said, in an hour and a half, watching a lot of ball last night. Also saw the debut of Albert Pujols wearing number 55. Different. In blue. In blue. Dodger blue. That was different. Got a nice ovation before his first at bat flew out with a runner on. He went one for four, and now he's a member of the Dodgers. He hits a ground ball base hit into center field. Albert Pujols brings home Mookie Betts for the Los Angeles Dodgers. How cool. So, he is... How cool. Yeah, well, if you're Southern California Dodger fan, I guess it's pretty cool. Uh, but he's embracing this role right now. Having a game plan, you know, of what my role is going to be in this ball club, you know, that's it. And this is, if this is going to be part of my uh, role, then listen, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to be ready. And I told him I'd be ready, whether it's the day that I don't play, whether it's the day that I feel that, that there's my time to come out there. And, and try to help this ball club, you know, to win. That's it. He was uh, asked before the game. I watched the press conference, too. Like I said, I had a lot of time on my hands. So <laughs> I'm he, getting that vibe, Dan. <laughs> I did. Last night, it was just different. Um, he was asked, and I watched the press conference about 
you know, his time with the Angels, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said at no time did he say, I need to play more. He said, I was willing to do, he said, I told you guys, meaning the media and anybody that would listen, that I was willing to embrace any role with the Angels, and apparently that role wasn't there. I, I don't know if it was on your show or it was on a national show with Nightingale or Rosenthal or one of the guys that they said that they had internally kicked around the idea that they were going to let go of Albert a couple years ago. Yeah. That caught my attention. So apparently there was no role for him. He moves on. He's in Dodger blue. And with all the injuries they have, he's going to get some playing time. Yeah, I think the more the longer we go here, the more all of this is starting to make sense as you kind of put together the breadcrumbs as to how, how what led to this situation and i think there was a miscommunication somewhere clearly between the angels and albert pujols i'm guessing albert was okay with being a bench bat but was not okay with never playing right no if you guys are never going to put me into any situation just release me it makes no sense for me to be here any longer and those angels were like okay we're going to do that eventually anyway so go for it see albert and then now with him being on the dodgers I mean, Dan, did you look at what they had in their lineup last night? Yeah. It's not just that he hit cleanup for them. It's that it made sense that yeah. he hit cleanup it, for it them. It does. The more that you see it, when you see it on paper, you're like, Seager's there and you got, well, he's hurt. Okay, well, what about Bell? Well, he's hurt. What about our second baseman? Not really contributing like we thought. Okay, we can move Muncie there. Okay, yeah, there's a fit. Makes sense. Yeah, there's... They have so many injuries. This is not the Dodgers we thought they were going to be. This is not going to be a 115 win team. It's just not on the table anymore for them. So it made sense that they would sign Albert. He's going to have a significant role, at least for the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to be very interested to see what this looks like two months from now. I wonder if we get another opportunity to see Albert signing elsewhere. And leading the league in home runs, one Shohei Otani. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Shohei Otani. What can't he do? He's got 13 home runs and an ERA of 2.10. Now, you hear that home run, and you're like, okay, he hit a home run. If you didn't see it, that's what gets your attention. It was in his eyes, and it was off the plate, and he yanked it out. And it's just, he's an incredible talent, man. I saw the game on Sunday against Boston. They're down to their final out. He hits a home run with Trout, who got a blue pit. Two-run homer, put them on top. They win that series. Last night, hits a home run, yanks it on a ball that was out it was a ball, I mean, in terms of being off the plate. He's a left-handed hitter, so it was in the right-hander's batter's box, essentially, and it's in his eyes, and he yanks it out for a home run. It was incredible. It was the type of pitch that I would expect to see Yachty, like, defend himself against, and somehow he gets through for a, a single, except this time it traveled so far to the point where it ended up being a home run. It's incredible. I don't understand what I'm watching with Shohei Otani. This is crazy. So he leads baseball in home runs this season, and as a pitcher... Opposing hitters are batting 126 against him on the year, Dan. That is the lowest in all of baseball. So he's the best power hitter in baseball, and nobody can hit the guy as a pitcher. What we were sold on Shohei Otani being, what was it, three and a half, four years ago now? This is it. He has become that player, and maybe even to a greater degree than I could have possibly anticipated. This guy's the best. He's the best show, no pun intended, yeah. in baseball right now. It's incredible. So we're going to visit with Zach Duke coming up. The Pirates are in town. There are seats available at Bush Stadium tonight, and apparently the rain will hold off, and we'll get in that game this evening. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.
Really looking forward to visiting with Zach Duke, who had a fabulous major league career. The Pirates, Diamondbacks, Nationals, Reds, Brewers, White Sox, Cardinals was here in 2016 and 17. It was very effective for the Cardinals, the Twins, the Mariners, the Reds. It ended in 2019. When you play on that many teams, you got to be talented and you got to be a good guy. Got the chance to visit with Zach Duke a number of times here in St. Louis. It's Dan McLaughlin and Brandon Kiley here on 101 ESPN. Hey, Zach, great to hear your voice and hopefully you're doing doing well how are things going yeah great to hear you guys again uh things are well here in uh, nashville tennessee no complaints at all so are you finally done i mean there's always room for a lefty are you are you finally done <laughs> um i have not filed paperwork but i have also not thrown a ball in about 18 months so <laughs> i think i'm done <laughs> so if you picked up a baseball right now do you think you can go out and get three guys out for an inning um, probably. I don't know how many runs will score. Yeah. I wanted to get to a bunch of things with you and it's great to have you with us because of your time in Pittsburgh and St. Louis, but the role of the left-handed reliever, um, now with a three batter minimum, are you, are you in favor of that? Do you think it's good for baseball? What do you, what do you think about the three batter minimum? Um, you know, it's, it's a tough rule to put in place in a, in the current environment where matchups are such high priority for managers and front offices. Um, but I always prided myself on being able to get out both righties and lefties. And um, I think that that's, that's a good focus for pitchers uh, in their development is to be sure you've got weapons to, to face each Zach, I wanted to ask you about something we were talking about in our opening segment as well, which is the, the velocity that guys have now and how it's, it, Guys are seemingly maxing out to the point where they don't have the same command that we saw 10 years ago, 15 years ago. What do you think needs to be done to to incentivize guys to throw strikes again? Is there anything that baseball can do, whether it be a rule change or the way that arbitration works for the money side of things? Like what what can be done to incentivize throwing strikes again in the game? Well, that's a hard question. Um you know, so much emphasis is being put on swings and misses right now um, that velocity is such a big factor in that. Um, so if you've got that hard fastball with the good spin on it and it, it's got the carry and it's hard to hit, then it's it's very valuable. Um, and it, it's arguably one of the easiest things to train. Um, it's, it's easier to get a guy stronger and, and to move more efficiently uh, than it is to necessarily get them to be able to repeat time and time again. It takes a lot of time, a lot of, a lot of practice to be able to become a, a command pitcher. Um, but you can kind of get a guy physically maxed, maxed out uh, a little easier. Are you following the game, Zach? And if so, are you seeing what Shohei Otani is doing right <laughs> now? He's my favorite player right now. As, as a guy who liked to hit, as, but wasn't very good at it, um, he's, he's my favorite player. To be, to be able to do what he's doing, it's, it's amazing. I, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, did you see the home run that he hit last night? <laughs> a <little> laser. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, and the other thing is, he's a big guy that can run. That's the other thing that amazes oh, so me. Yeah, he's athletic. So he's living the dream, I think, of every pitcher that said, oh, I could do what these guys are doing. He's actually doing it. it he, he is. He is living the dream. You know, I, I had signed at college to be a two-way player and um, – I wasn't good enough to be a pro level hitter, but I was really looking forward to 
getting that opportunity to play both ways, to continue to play both ways, and to be able to win at the major league level is extremely impressive. And to be leading the league in homers and have a two ERA at throw 100 is even more impressive. Um, it just speaks to just how elite of an athlete he is. It's it's so fun to watch. Zach, how would you describe your time in, in St. Louis? Was it enjoyable for you? No, absolutely enjoyable. Um, other than the fact that we missed the playoffs by a game in, in 16 and uh, 17 didn't go the way you wanted, it was it was absolutely enjoyable. Just first-class people all through the organization. The fans are great. Ballpark's awesome. Um, see, you see Cardinal stuff everywhere you go. It's just... There's not really an experience like that that I found in my travels. You had been here plenty in your time with the Pittsburgh Pirates in particular. How did it live up to what you expected it to be from the outside? When you come in here as a visitor, is it is it significantly different when you when you officially play here? <laughs> so back in my time with the Pirates, we weren't very good, right? <laughs> we were we were losing 100 games every year. And every time we'd go into St. Louis, we'd just sit there and go, man, this is what the big leagues must really be like. I'd love to get to experience that someday. And then I, I finally got the opportunity and it was everything I had hoped it would be and more. Um, just the way, the way you're treated, the way the expectations that everyone has and the way they go about their business, it's just so first rate. And it's, it's no surprise why the Cardinals just continue to have success year in and year out. Zach Dukes joining us here on 101 ESPN, 15-year major league pitcher, and he had a heck of a career in, in the NL Central in particular. And, Zach, I did want to follow up on that a bit. You mentioned in Pittsburgh that those teams had some struggles. There's a lot of tanking that is going on in baseball now. Can you give us a player's perspective on what it is like to be in that clubhouse over the course of 162 games when your team's struggling, you know it's going to be a long year, basically from the moment that you step into spring training. How mentally and physically grinding is that to get through 162? Uh, you, you said the word grinding. It, it is an absolute grind. I mean, you're obviously – Thankful to be in the big leagues, get an opportunity. Um, but it's so much more fun to be on a team that's competitive and in a race, and it makes it so much easier to show up to the ballpark. And when you're not on a team that's in the race, you, you have to really dig deep and get motivated to put your work in. And as a pitcher, as a starting pitcher, uh, really feel like, you know what, I'm on the mound, and because I'm on the mound, we're going to have a chance to win today. And – and, and it becomes a struggle to not try to do too much when you have the ball. Um, and it's, uh, it's tough, but it's a great learning experience for me. Uh, I was extremely thankful for it. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot about myself in that time, the toughness, the perseverance. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to see so many teams have figured out the incentive to finish poorly in a season, um, how it can affect the future years. Um, it's, it's unfortunate for the fans more than anything else because fans don't want to show up to the ballpark and see a team that's intentionally not being competitive. Um, everybody, I think from a fan's perspective, wants to see you know, their favorite team putting their best foot forward every year and trying to win it. But uh, I don't know. Hopefully there's there's some type of – change that can be made to incentivize teams to go for it every year again. And, and that's the thing I look at with Pittsburgh. I mean, we were talking the other night and Joe Musgrove was on the mound for the Padres. And then I went through and I said, well, Garrett Cole is doing this. 
Uh, Austin Meadows is doing. I mean, you start looking at the the amount of players that the Pirates have had that are good players, and they don't keep them. And I would imagine it, it's your time too. You were you, you saw the Pirates drafting high. There was a good nucleus of players. You're in a great ballpark. It's a sports city. That's got to be frustrating too, from a player's perspective. There, where you know it, it has sure, a chance to sure. be good, but they they just don't do it. I, I don't understand that. Oh, sure. Just just for example, in 2009, um, going into the All Star break, we the Pirates team we were four games out of first place. And you were an All Star in 09. Is that correct? You had a pretty good team uh, that an year. Injury, injury replacement. Yeah, but yeah. I guess that counts. It counts. Um, it absolutely counts. Don't sell yourself short on that. So, so, so by, but by the end, but by the trade deadline that year, we had traded seven of our starting eight position players. Wow. And a couple of relievers. And so we're sitting there going, wow, we were four games out of first place. We were a piece or two away from really doing something. And then we, the front office decided to go a different direction. So that's hard from a player's perspective, feeling like, all right, we've got the pieces in here to compete. And then the front office sees it differently. Um, that's a that's a hard, hard situation for the players to – continue to be motivated to go out there and do their best is that something you as players in the clubhouse talk about i mean is it just left unsaid everybody understands or what are the conversations that that exist in that clubhouse after a situation like that well it's 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 tough um for the ones that are left yeah we sit there and go man what what could have been but at the same time you have new teammates that you have to get to know and then pull for and and start those new relationships. So it's a little bit awkward, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, you have to be a professional and you have to pull for the guys that you're going between the lines with. So you find a way. Hey, Zach, uh, pull the curtain back a little bit about being in a bullpen for that many years and the conversations that are at least um, allowed to be had on radio. So what are those conversations like down in a bullpen with some of your lifelong friends now, I'm sure, that are in uniform, with all those games, all that time? What's that like being in a bullpen and those conversations? I'm going to tell you what. Every one of life's problems are solved in the bullpen. <laughs> four or five innings of baseball games. You know, for the first three or four innings, if, as long as your starter's doing what they're, they're capable of doing, who knows where the conversation's going to go. It gets a lot of fun, you know, pointing people out in the stands or talking about situations that happened. So any anything somebody's dealing with at home, how can we help them out? You name it, it gets talked about and, and figured out and solved. I can Whether imagine. Correctly or not, it's solved. I can imagine. Who were the biggest characters in the Cardinals bullpen when you were here? Um, You know, so Jonathan Broxton was there, and – Although he's very quiet and serious from the outside, he's about as big of a prankster as you're going to find. And he can get away with it because what are you going to do to Jonathan Broxton? He's 6'4", you know, 290 pounds of muscle, and he's the fastest guy in the bullpen. So it's not like you can run away from him. Well, <laughs> and he's, he hunts pigs with yeah, his bare hands, yeah. too. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. He's man's man. Exactly. Sure. Um, when you look at the, how the game is played today, and I, I only have one more question for you, but um, and Zach Duke is our guest, and it's great to catch up. 
What would you change in the game? Because I'm sure players talk about that too. And they say, well, you know, I don't like the three batter minimum or we need to pitch to contact or gosh, these guys are all they're doing is swinging for the fences. What? And it's going to hopefully get solved here in the CBA where some of these issues are rectified. But what, what as a guy that really understands the game and bullpen guys really do in many ways, um, especially the pitching side, what, what would you change with the game? Um, gosh, that's hard. Um, there definitely has to be some way of figuring out how to create more action during the game. You know, nobody wants to come and see two balls put in play every inning, whether it's a home run or not. You want to see more action. Um, but at the same time, these, these young pitchers are so good that you don't want to stifle that. You want to see them punch out everybody. So it's, it's, a, hard, it's a hard riddle to solve. Um, I don't think a pitch clock is the answer. I don't think putting a runner on second in extra innings is the answer. Um, I don't know. It's I'm such a, an old school baseball purist that I love the game the way it has been for hundreds of years, and there's such a beauty in the strategy of everything that I like to see it just remain the same. But hopefully, there's some way to create more action in the games. I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I know that the ball that those guys are having to throw right now is basically a, a river stone with some red marks on it. So maybe it's something where you raise the seams on the ball or I don't know. But there's some crazy movement that gets created from those balls for these pitchers, and they go a long way. I know that. Zach, final thing that I've got for you. You were around for what was a, a a tough time, honestly, for Adam Wainwright at the end of those 2016-2017 seasons. And now over the last two seasons, he's tied for the league lead with three complete games in his last 18 starts. Uh, what is it like for you to be able to see Wayno now sh- pitching the way that he is after some of the struggles that we saw from him uh, in your time here in St. Louis? It's awesome. You know, Wayno's one of the best people I ever encountered in the game. And to see him be able to come back and be uh, pain-free and be able to just settle in and do what he's done for so long at such a high level, it's it's so nice to see, and I'm so happy for him. And, and you know, it's 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 one of those things that just makes your heart warm just to to see him being able to still perform at that level and representing for us old guys. <laughs> hey Zach, uh, well, I'm not going to say you're retired, but it was fun to watch you pitch. And uh, thanks for coming on, coming on, and hopping on the air with us and giving us a little insight. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me and making me still feel relevant. You got it. You got it. That is Zach Duke, the former Cardinal, and I could go on and on and on. Former Pirate and former Washington National, Arizona Diamondback. I think he was with the Braves, the White Sox. He, <laughs> he was all over the place, but awesome to. Uh, to hear from him and he is right if you grab a major league baseball right now it is it's just hard as a rock interesting it is and uh guys always do this in spring training i find it fascinating bk is that they'll go on like um a sidewalk or something and take a ball from a couple years ago that they may have that just is in a bag or something and then they got a new ball from this year and just you know one in right one in left hand and drop them and you see one bounce a little higher than the other or you may see deadening of it um, the ball changes, and the ball, if you change the ball, the game can change too. There was a, an interesting text here. Um, it, it's 
It said, uh, uh, where is it here? I'm trying to find it on, oh, until there is a salary cap and the playing field is level, you can't blame teams for tanking. I happen to agree with that. You know, unless you force teams to pay to a, a certain floor, they're just not going to do it. I mean, you look at the payroll, the Pirates, it's not very high. I mean, it's actually, it's disturbingly low. Yep. Um, now, the the Tampa Bay Rays don't have a high payroll, but they have figured it out. That would be the counter argument. They've they figured out how to manipulate the system and win. But you can't tell me if you're in Houston that tanking didn't work or the Chicago Cubs, tanking didn't work. It worked to the point that they won a world championship. So I, I do think, though, there's got to be a floor in the sport to where these owners have to pay to that floor to at least you're putting some type of competitive product out there to give your fans some type of hope you got to do that i i think it's fair to say that it worked in those two markets in particular it worked in kansas city as well they didn't technically tank but they were just so bad for so long that it was effectively tanking um it has worked in the past you also have to be willing to spend though when you're ready to compete the only way it works is if you're the astros bringing in other stars to supplement what you have with your young players the cubs they brought in other stars that were ready-made major leaguers and they were willing to add at the deadline to be able to really go for it and there's a lot of teams that are doing the first part the tanking part where they're getting the young talent without doing the second part where they're supplementing it with major leaguers that can come in the clubhouse serve as, and I know this doesn't matter to some on the outside. It does matter in that clubhouse. You got to have a little bit of a role model inside of that clubhouse. When you've got 20 other dudes that are under the age of 25 and have no major league experience. And the, the other thing, Dan, there's like 10 teams doing it now. When those teams were doing it that you mentioned, it was like two or three. That's right. And so it loses a little bit of the effectiveness when you have to win like 50 games in a season to be able to get the number one overall pick. Otherwise, you end up 70 wins, 68 wins, and you're picking eighth or ninth in in the draft. And that's no sure thing. So I, I do think it is less effective as a strategy today than it was 10 years ago. There was at one point the Houston Astros were not getting a rating on their television games. They were that bad. They weren't on television for a while. And then when they were finally on TV and you could, if you want, it was readily available to anybody, they weren't getting a rating. They were so bad. I remember when they came through at one point, Altuve was just kind of coming into his own and he thought, okay, that's a guy you can build around. He's a good player. Cardinals pounded them. And it was just, it was clearly readily available to anybody that looked at the metrics, but then the eye test that this was not a major league team on the field. It just wasn't. Um, the disappointing thing for me with the Pirates has been look at the talent that has gone away, and it's been very good talent. And when they did have prior to, let's say, 2012, or that little run, you know, like 12, 13, 14, 15, they're pretty good, you know, and they built around McCutcheon. They gave him an extension. It worked. But then they had, like, in the mid 2000s, they had number one picks, and it was like Brian Bullington. Chris Benson, his his wife was more known than than Chris Benson was. I mean, just it, they they weren't picking well, and then they weren't keeping the guys that were there to be relevant and good players to build around. That is a great baseball town. It can be. They just haven't won. It can be. It's a great sports town. Yep. Now it's a football town, and then it's a hockey town, and then it's baseball, a distant third. But when they were good, they were there, and the fans were coming out. It, it's just. If you get the support of the fans, it, it's a responsibility of the ownership in the front office to make sure that you're putting a product out there that is complementary to the fans supporting what you're doing. It's been done here in St. Louis for years at the DeWitt Ownership Group. 
and it's not being done in other markets, and that's disappointing. On your point about the Houston Astros, I interned down in Houston the summer of 2013, and the Astros won 51 games that year. I remember being down Oof. in Houston on Sports Talk Radio. I was part of the morning show at that time. We spent zero time oh, talking about the Houston Astros. Zero. They they literally didn't rate on television, and they figuratively didn't rate on sports radio because there was no conversation. You would like here in St. Louis, you could go to the local whatever quick trip or whatnot, and People you're going to overhear baseball. a conversation yeah. about the St. Louis Cardinals. That didn't exist in Houston. We were talking in July about the Texans. Like that that is the difference of what conversations can be like. And that matters. That does. Being in the public sphere, having conversation about your team, that's a thing that really matters in baseball because otherwise what are we doing here? I disagree. I, I am also a traditionalist. It, it, generally speaking with the game of baseball, I love the game. I you know that. Oh, I, yeah. I love the game. I've never met anybody that loves it like you do. I do. And I do think, though, I'm willing to adapt and change, and I do think there needs to be a pitch clock instituted. I think that you have to enforce players not stepping out of the box, and if you do, strike two. If you're going too too long on a pitch clock, ball one, ball two, whatever. But you got to incentivize this thing, man, and to the point that you, you got – and you can't incentivize it with money because if Juan Soto decides to step out, who's going to probably get over $300 million, you say, well, he stepped out. Now you're going to get a letter in your locker stall. Okay. Got a, got my letter from Rob Manfred. I stepped out. That's a warning. Okay. week later, he did it again. Umpire said it. Now that's a $500 fine. He's going to go, okay. All right. I'm, yeah. I'm willing to pay the 500 bucks so I can keep the rhythm of what I'm doing. The incentivized part of it is if I am hurting you as a player in the game, meaning, and I, I hurting is probably not the right way to, if I'm penalizing you um, because you're stepping out, that's, that's strike two. Now I put you in the hole. Now you're upset. And now I've made it incentivized for you to stay in the batter's box because there's got to be too much. There's too much of that stuff going on. Like the games over the weekend with the Padres, guys are stepping out right and left. No one's throwing strikes. It's not entertaining. You have to make this is at the bottom at the end of the day. It's still BK about entertainment. Yeah, it's got to be. And there's got to be something that is done for it. And it's it's getting there. I, I do think over the next couple of years, we're going to continue seeing changes within the game. And there will be some pushback. And then eventually there will probably be buy in if it works. And if it doesn't, it'll be removed from the game. That's how these things go. This is the Danny Mac show with BK, the podcast powered by I promise. Tanner is always working, always, Indeed. does a great job, and he tells us that tomorrow that uh, Matt Caps, a former reliever, he was a closer at one point, hard thrower with the Pittsburgh Pirates, will be our guest. I love hearing the perspective of those that are just out of the game and maybe getting into broadcasting, which Matt Caps is doing with the Pirates. Um, their thoughts, because, you, you you know, Zach Duke's a great example there. You, you hear a guy that's... When you're a reliever or bench guy and you have floated around the league as long as they have, they know what they're doing. They're, they know what they're talking about, and they're good guys. You don't get – like Matt Adams to me is a great example. You don't go back to a team like he did with the Cardinals or others and stick around as long as you have as a bench guy unless you're a good person. you got to be a, a good player because you got to have results. It's not the League of Saints here, but you're also a good person and a good teammate. So it's fun to visit with those guys. Backup catchers, bullpen yes. guys. Those are the ones that you always look at. Bench bats, guys that are really good in pinch hitting situations. All, all of those are are the guys that you're talking about there. Uh, you have the great Alex Ferrario coming in. The one in. and only. 
late night for him. Probably a disturbing night for him, a disappointing night for him. He as woke he up was, with cold sweats. Looks like he's sleeping over there. McKinnon. I see him. Look at that. Oh, that's yeah, definitely the glass. Doesn't look good, does it? No. I, I mean, the guy was here until like 30 last night. Let's give him a little bit of a break. Oh, come boys. on. Like, that's a big deal. I know you do it nightly, Dan, but you're a crazy person. No, it's just, come on, man. We're doing sports for a living. This is. Hey, who you got in the games tonight for basketball? I know you've been catching up with, keeping up with this stuff. Uh, Hornets, Pacers. Pacers are a three-point home favorite in this one. Take the, take the Hornets. Uh, what about, it, it could be the end of the ball era. End of the ball era. With the, uh, who's in it? Pacers and oh, Hornets? Yeah, but the, the other ball, Lonzo Ball. That's what I'm talking about with he's, the Pelicans. He's down in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely the end that's of that had, That's had my attention. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it has. <laughs> I, I have no doubt about that. Wizards, Celtics. Celtics. You got the, uh, the St. Louis... That, that's connection. Be I'll here. actually probably try to catch some of that. I think I might take the Wizards. This Celtics team is ripe for the taking. They're they, no good this year. Not good. The Wizards aren't good either. No, I was going to say, hold on here. I was going to say, all these teams stink, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Going to uh, see plenty of bad basketball tonight. Uh, okay. All right. So you're going to be watching that. You like hoops, don't you? I do. Yeah, I really like uh, like basketball. There's not a whole lot of a market here for it, but I do enjoy basketball. I enjoy college basketball more than I enjoy the pro game. I, I was used into- to be that way. I, it's really hard for me to watch college basketball other than my team now. Like, I'll watch Mizzou. I'll watch Illinois. I'll watch SLU. It's really rough to watch college basketball, not at the tournament. I got now. bad news for you, too. KU just got to commit on the transfer. kid portal from arizona state guard that's a stud he's very good yeah he's probably number one of the transfer yeah. portal yeah it's fine it's fine KU. mizzou has zero players on their roster that I'm they just, recruited that are top 150 recruits it's gonna be fine dan everything's gonna be great i'm just giving you the facts i'm not i'm not throwing out opinion here i just wanted to get your reaction yeah, as a mizzou guy don't shoot the messenger thank you t-bone i got you He's coming out hot this morning. I'm looking forward to your show. What else you guys have going on? So coming up today, we have coming up at 12.15, John Forslund, late addition to the show. He's on the call for Blues versus Avalanche on NBC Sportsnet. And we will talk with Jeremy Rutherford to find out what the Blues can do to prevent what we saw last night in game two. All right. Looking forward to it. T-Bone, BK, great job. Alex coming in. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.